Welcome, welcome to Property Talk with your host, Masako Monto. In this podcast, we will be unraveling everything related to property. We are here to give you some hot tea on property as we will be interviewing upcoming and established individuals in this field. Let's jump straight into the content. Good morning, how are you today? We, we trade things, we couldn't, we couldn't wait for today. I'm glad. All right, so to our listeners, oh, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Yeah, so to our listeners, today we are, um, we have an honor of having Long Wealth on our platform to unpack an interesting topic with us. We'll be unpacking on the difference between township versus suburb property investments. But before we jump into that, I would like for our guests to introduce themselves. Long Wealth, please tell us about who you are and the inspiration behind becoming property investors. Okay. Morning to everybody, depending on what time of the day it is or good day, depending on the post, what time you'll be posting. So anyways, my name is Neo and then I'm with my younger brother over here, which is Lebo. We are property fanatics. We are very crazy about property and property is what we do on a daily basis. I mean, for most of the people that do know us, they know us as the, the, the guys who are obsessed about property investing. So now we always speak about property investing. I mean, if we don't speak about property investing, everything just becomes awkward. So we're one of those. (laughs) That's amazing. I just wanted to also know your inspiration behind becoming property investors. Why property? Why not work a nine to five? Sure, I'll, I'll have I'll have Leo have that one because most of the time I'm the one that's popping a bottle. So I'd really like to hear Leo's perspective on this one. Okay. Well, for us, I, I guess even with a lot of property investors, it started with one book that messed up everything. Mm. The book is called uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad. So that actually shows you the power of the book, the power of a book. I mean, mm-hmm. Leo read that book and then that's when he made his decision. He was... He was still in varsity. I think he was still doing his honors at that point in time. Mm-hmm. And I was doing my first year as an intern. And then he made up his mind that, you know what? Property is where we are going after reading that book. And I didn't, like, I trust him with my life. So hence, when he told me that, it was a no-brainer that we should be taking that direction. So that's how everything started with us. Uh, the- All right. So that's amazing. Uh, I think that's the power of reading books. All right. So we are going to talk about your website. So I read through your website and I saw that you guys have different services you offer to your clients. Um, Kindly, can you tell us um, more about that in case one of our listeners is interested in engaging with your content? Okay. So now what what we have actually done is that we've created a course that will actually enable people to actually invest in property. So now the course is based on everything that we have actually been through. It's a property investing course, very practical. So it's not the Maslow's five theories, what, what, what not. So it's based on what we actually do, the things that are actually relevant for you to actually start investing in property. I mean, it does happen that when you do actually take the course and you have went through the whole course, and you still make mistakes. I mean, that mm. is uh, human nature. However, we give you every basic for you to actually minimize every mistake that you might actually do in your property journey. And what we also do is that we host events. So mm. now this year, the events were actually free. I'm not sure if they still be free next year. However, that's one of the things that we also do. So in the events, what we do is that we really network with people. We get to know people more, get to know property investing, because what we really 
believe in is that as if you want to actually grow as an entrepreneur or a property investor you need to have a network that actually deals with what you're doing mm-hmm. so we've recently actually made a network with lawyers we've made network with accountants so what we do in those events is just is that we actually encourage networking and we speak about property investing let's have a property investing party all right <laughs> that's a nice way to put it <laughs> all right so that's amazing um i hope that everybody that heard that will engage with your content um let's dive into today's topic about township versus suburb property investment as our property investors for the day what are the differences between investing in townships and in the suburbs uh, I, I like the question that you asked because just to fill people in it reminded us of the conversation that we had when we first the first conversation that we had with you mm-hmm. you look at the townships and then you see people being property investors however not owning that title of being a property investor mm. so in in practice when you're looking at them they did take out their money they did put it in a property and they have tenants mm-hmm. however now it's not being treated as a business mm. or you find somebody let's just let's just look at it in the suburbs you find somebody who inherited a property or who even bought the property however they are more focused on the ownership side and not on the investment side i mean looking at your degree what you do on a day-to-day basis mm-hmm. you already know the importance of numbers mm-hmm. so when we're looking at property investing we cannot only focus on the property and ignore the investment side mm-hmm. they both go hand in hand so looking at the, the question that you asked the township versus uh, the township investment versus versus the suburb investment is that we need to understand the pros and cons of both so that we can strategically position ourselves by getting the fruits of whichever one that we're putting ourselves in mm-hmm. however i can tell you something for sure is that there is an opportunity within both fields sure so now when you're looking at <coughs> excuse me when you're looking at your township and when you're looking at your suburb right Mm-hmm. The main thing that one will actually experience when they move from a township to a suburb is the rates and taxes. Okay. So in your township, the rates and taxes aren't really that much. I know in Orange Farm in Soweto, the the the, the rates and taxes are going for around 50 bucks. Mm-hmm. But now when you go to your suburbs, you end up paying 1,500. So now that's something that you need to actually need to understand and factor into your to your calculations mm. if you were actually dealing with township investing when you move on to your suburbs you need to really understand that it becomes actually stricter once you move into your suburb as compared to your 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 township mm. um, then another thing yeah. another thing that i would also want to touch on is your tenant Mm-hmm. So now the tenants are different when you're looking at your suburbs and when you're also looking at your your township. Mm-hmm. So now when you're looking at your your suburbs, people are more like I need a lease agreement before you move in. I need uh, mm-hmm. three months three months uh, bank statement and I also need a payslip. We need to run something that's called a TPN report. So what a TPN report actually tells you is that how good are you in far in terms of uh, credit. So okay. if you can't really pay your credit on time, if you can't really pay your credit on time, then it will actually reflect on your TPN report. Yeah. So mm-hmm. now in your suburbs, that's what they really look at. They really go deeper into you. And mm-hmm. now in your townships, you'd get there and you're like, I want a room to actually live in. Mm-hmm. And the, the 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 landlord will probably look at you yeah. and they'll tell if they like if they like you and they don't like you. And if they don't like you, definitely not going in. Yeah. Yes. But if they do like you, 
something that you can actually go yeah. go into. Mm. However, as a professional property investor, be it that you're in a suburb or be it that you're in a township, you need to actually run things as a business. Mm. However, this is where things become difficult. Because now when you're looking at a township, right, you are basically attracting everybody that's uh, around that particular mm-hmm. township. So now say, for instance, you have a security guard that's actually coming to you and saying that I want to live in your property. Most of the time, they do not have a credit report. Mm-hmm. Number two, they do not have a bank statement. So now what happens most of the time is that the people that you are actually attracting in a township, they get paid on hand. Mm-hmm. So now that means that this person doesn't actually have a bank statement. So now you can't really track how this person actually spends their money. Mm. So now this becomes a huge problem in terms of actually attracting these people that are living in their particular township. So now those are the certain, those are the different elements that you need to take into consideration if you are actually going to go into a township or if you're going to go into a suburb. All right, that's amazing. So in terms of like the different demographics, you did speak about, for instance, in townships, you would basically attract the lower class to like middle class individuals, right? So are you saying then the risks of people not paying rent are higher in the townships compared to the suburbs? I mean, we haven't we haven't really made a study, a professional study based on <laughs> Um, if, 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 if that is the case, right? Mm-hmm. However, it, it goes back to the risks that you might actually be taking. Oh, so okay. I know with, with, with within the, the townships, it's more when you're looking at from the legal perspective, when you're looking at it from a legal when you're looking at it from a legal perspective, in the township, if someone doesn't actually pay you, you could actually just tell them that you haven't paid and you need to vacate the area. Mm-hmm. And that might be a conversation that you might be having. However, when you're looking at in, when you're looking at it from a suburb perspective, you might have to deal with evictions, and that actually costs a whole lot of money. You need oh, lawyers to be involved. Okay. So now those are the things that you actually need to take into consideration before you move into before you actually select which one you'd actually want to go. In. I mean, we, we also had an experience. Sorry mm-hmm. about this. I told you properties are things. So we don't stop talking if it's. <laughs> We had a thing whereby we wanted to use the same criteria that we used in the townships in the suburbs, and it didn't work out. Mm-hmm. So we wanted a deposit of about three months. Mm-hmm. So that works out if you're talking about your mid rent, you're talking about sensing, because the clientele is able to give you that money as a deposit. Mm. But now when you take it back to the township and you say, before you get in here, I need a three months, I need three months in advance. Mm. And then they're going to be looking at you like, What's up? Yeah. Because the next door neighbor, it's just as if you just come in, you give me 500 bucks as a deposit, and then Mm. that's it. So we have to look at all these dynamics of how does it differ. And at the end of the day, as you can hear, there is a science towards all of them township Mm. and also suburbs. Amazing. All right. So then you also spoke, I think it was one one of your videos, you speak about the regulations um, in terms of in the suburbs, the regulations are much higher. Um, and then in the townships, they are lower. It, can you please expand on that? Okay. Now, looking at this one, right, especially when you're looking at your estates, mm-hmm. like you find estates whereby you, let's say your estates whereby you actually even building that property from the onset so you're developing it mm. they would literally tell you what are the rules what is allowed when you're building that type of property mm. and then you come to your townships your townships most of the time 
people are just building mm. without even necessarily consulting the municipality. Mm. Whether you want to do a 22 bedroom in on one plot, it's okay. However, now when you get to the other side, there are rules and regulations in, and if you don't adhere to them, they'll deal with you accordingly. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so that is something that you need to look into. And I mean, look at it also from a usage system whereby you're looking at your townships and when they actually put that electricity or the electric system in that, in that area, they knew that they're catering for 20 houses. However, now what is happening is that if I'm going to build another 20 block of flats at the back of my house, it's actually going to do an overload. Mm. So hence you find such challenges in the townships and in the suburbs, that's what the guys are really trying to avoid. Mm. So, okay. so yeah. Makes sense. And then I just also wanted to know about like the tenants. Is it easier to acquire tenants in the suburbs compared to the townships or is it the same because everybody obviously needs a place to stay? Yeah. So now it's 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 area specific, right? Mm-hmm. Goes for both your township and your suburbs. Mm. So now when you're looking at your townships, you know that they are your hotspots. So if you're looking at Soweto in particular, you're looking at Pinville and you're looking at Deep Blue. Mm. These are your hotspots. You hardly get a place that's actually vacant. Mm. However, if you're going deeper into Soweto, like your Proteat lands, your land rich, that's mm. when you actually start getting vacancies, a lot of vacancies in that particular area. So now this would actually depend on the particular area and how close is it to the amenities. Mm. So now you'd want to see that if you're investing in a township, how quick is it to actually get out of the township? Because now most of the time what people do is that they rent out a, a flatlet in the township and then they actually working in uh, Johannesburg, right, in the city. Mm-hmm. So now you need to understand how long does it actually take you to go into, uh, out of the city, out of the township and into the city. Mm-hmm. That's something that you need to uh, consider. And then when you're looking into your suburbs, it also depends on how close is it to your, to your, to your office buildings. Mm-hmm. So now when you, when you want to actually rent out your properties, you need to understand that how, how long does it actually take for someone to walk probably or how long does it actually take mm. them to drive from where they're living to their workspace mm. okay yeah i think that also makes sense because people always try and live very close to where they work or even other services like hospitals police stations i think those type of areas attract more people because it's just convenient so i totally understand that yeah you need as an investor you need to be aware of the services that are around the area that would make it convenient i think it also makes it attractive in a way you know when you're selling you can be like yeah this is very close to the police station very close to the hospital people find the convenience in that and i think i don't know we could maybe do a study on it to see if it actually does increase um the willingness for somebody to buy that property or stay in that property i mean it does it does it actually does uh, mm. increase the chances of you um, getting a tenant mm. so now when you're looking at properties that are actually closer to your malls mm. these this is a no-brainer i mean if i'm just <laughs> like two minutes away from a mall i don't have to take an uber mm. that will actually be driving for 30 minutes to go to the mall and actually carry my groceries and stuff like that mm. so now the closer you are to amenities, the more better it is for your property. Amazing. 
Right. So basically, I just want us to talk about the three pros and cons, like just to narrow them down, because I think based on the conversation we just had, we can kind of pick up, you know, benefits of suburbs compared to townships. But now I just want us to like pinpoint them out for our listeners just to make it easier. Um, so, yeah, the three top um, pros and cons for each. For each. Okay, so can we start with the township? The yeah. township, I know, especially looking at what, what Lebo mentioned, is that if it is close, if it is in your hot market, for instance, your Pinville, which is closer to UJ and Maponya Mall, and it's also right at the exit of Soweto, mm-hmm. you know for sure that getting a tenant is not a hassle. Yeah. Like getting a tenant and, and even advertising, I think getting a tenant number one is not a, is not a hassle and even advertising. So what happens usually in the township, you can see even around Cosmo City, around Tembisa, is when you go to the malls, you can actually just come up with a placard and just write the room to rent, put it there on the board, mm. and then you get the numerous calls. Mm. So looking at the demand, looking at also so looking at also placement, it's not such a hassle. Mm. Then arrange Trust me, right now we are in the middle of getting a tenant in mm. in in four ways. In four ways. Mm. It's it's been crazy how many trips we've been going there. And another thing is that the picky, don't forget now, the mm. more money you have is the more you're specific to what is your taste and what you like and what don't you like. Mm. So you get someone saying that mm, I won't rent here because of the countertops. Yeah. <laughs> are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> it happens. It happens. Or even if it's just two stories up and then somebody will be like, nah, I prefer it down floor. And then now when you're looking at your your, your township, it's more mm. in the room. And then there's just as long as there's space yeah. and there's a toilet. And it happens that even in some in some uh, houses in, in Soweto, in some houses in Soweto whereby you can rent out just a single room without even uh, your basic needs. For instance, mm. your toilet, your bathroom. Whereas you go to the suburbs, they'll even tell you that I would actually prefer a shower. So that can actually take off your listing on the short list. Sure. Sure. If I'm looking at if I'm looking at a coin, looking at your your, your township, mm-hmm. this would go back to something that we actually touched on earlier on. That mm. it would be hard for you to actually determine who is a more quality person to actually move into your property. Because yeah. now mm. you can't run a light uh, a TPN report on this person, and mm. you're not really mm. sure. You need to base what they're saying, what they're saying, based on what they are actually saying right now. Mm. So now, what I'm meaning by that is that if it does happen that someone comes to you and they tell you that I'm getting paid five thousand, you actually need to take their word for it because they're getting paid on hand. Mm. It's not like you can say that. Give me your payslip and give me your three months bank statement. Right. So now that's a con because you don't really, you're not really sure in terms mm. of is this the right person to actually move into my property. So you have right. to rely on instincts there to trust yeah, that that's person. Why, <laughs> yes. That's why we're saying that landlords actually look at you in your face and they're like, nope, <laughs> you're not going into my property. Swipe left or right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. So that's one of the, the, the cons of actually going into your, your, your township. So mm. the other coin that you might also go into is that you don't have a a, a, a lease agreement. A lot mm. of people that are in the townships don't actually have lease agreements in place. So now this, as a property investor, number one, makes it hard for you to actually scale your business because now you can't really justify it to the bank that you're getting an additional income in terms of rent. Mm. 
Mm. Because now what happens most of the time if you're looking at your suburbs and if you have a, a lease agreement is that if you take your lease agreement to the bank and you also take uh, your three months bank statement or your six months bank statement to the bank, that income that you're actually getting from the property can actually serve as a way of showing that you are getting an additional income. Uh, right? okay. However, however, if you don't have, if you only have the three months, the six months bank statement to prove that money has been coming in, however, you don't have a lease agreement, it then becomes a problem for you to be able to justify why or how you're actually getting this money. So now that becomes a problem on your side as a property investor. Mm. Can I take can I take the last coin? Mm-hmm. We we have never ever spoken about this ever before because I guess when you are asking this question, I'm really thinking that what can happen that's very bad in the township. Mm. So Lebo has, ne- has never spoken about this one. So what happened is that our first rent, the pl- the first place that we rented was in township. Mm-hmm. Was in the township. So what happened is that when we were leaving the owner was like yeah i need to paint this and this and this so i'm taking all your deposit and then but but then there was like but this place was in this condition when we got here mm. so can even when it gets there it's more of it's your word versus my word mm. so if taking, so they were still recovering from the deposit <laughs> there's absolutely nothing that you can do because you can't beat the the lady yeah. or the that money. if it's gone it's gone sure that's so creepy. <laughs> Imagine you get there and somebody has painted your apartment in a different color. I'd faint. <laughs> All right. Okay. And then with suburbs. Okay. So now let's go into suburbs. So now your suburbs, the first thing that will actually stand out is that you have a better chance of getting a quality tenant as mm-hmm. far as your TPN report and your three months break statement with uh, payslip. Mm-hmm. Right. Then the second pro that I can actually think about in your suburb is that based on uh, the people that you're actually attracting, mm-hmm. you're attracting more of a quality client. So now you don't have to really do much checkups in terms of going to the property and seeing if everything is actually good. Mm-hmm. Because now you have this lease agreement that actually binds this person that you can only have one person that's living in this property or you can only have two people that are living in this property. Mm-hmm. So now once you start having a lot of people in that particular property, you are now bridging the contract. So now, since you are bridging the contract, we can actually ask you to actually vacate this mm. particular property. So now, this actually brings in, uh, it makes you relaxed as a property investor because now you know that the person living in your property is actually binded by a contract and not by a word of mouth. Mm, okay. And the other other pro is that I'm just going to be a bit technical, but I'll simplify it. Right? Okay. If you're looking at per square meter how much you are actually earning from the rental income in the suburbs, you are actually getting more than what you would be getting in your township. Because let's let's be practical. I've seen this in the township. Somebody makes their house very beautiful. And then they expect to be getting something like 8k or 9k for renter mm. i mean somebody in that situation will be asking themselves why don't i just go out and rent in centurion or in pretoria west mm. so that's something that we truly need to take into consideration if you know what you're doing you can actually get more per square meter of the, the property itself man. and also another another pro is that the the electricity issue so you can actually put prepaid in the system and then Look at it this way, right? If I'm putting prepaid in my in my in my apartment in the suburb, let's say in Santon, the tenant is reliable to deal with the whatever usage of electricity. However, now if I'm having the the what usually happens in the township is that 
imagine if everybody like the example in orange farm everybody in that area is renting out for 500 bucks so now if i come and say minus 500 and on top of that you guys will be paying electricity people are gonna run run away so it's gonna rub them off in a bad way so we also have to look at that in in terms of your usage of utilities mm. how does that come into play am i going to put it in the bill or am i not going to put it into the bill and as much as we'd like to put it in the bill will it be practical to put it in the bill in that area whereby the people in the market will be able to say you know what this is the place that i'd like to rent out for because it's nice saying that we can have a meeting the three of us and our, whoever's listening saying you know what everybody will play for the will pay for the <laughs> electricity and water mm. only to find out that the tenants don't want to mm. okay yeah. interesting so i just had this question pop up in my head because now i'm thinking about all the things you've said you know between townships and suburbs and obviously last year it was the pandemic and a lot of people got retrenched a lot of people were unemployed um so do you think there was a shift in demand compared like in the suburbs do you think the demand for property decreased um compared to the suburbs because i'm thinking obviously for instance if i'm a server and i got retrenched um and i'm let's say i'm living in in midrand and my rent is 9000 rand and then i can find a cheaper spot in soweto for 3000 rand like have you had those transitions or you didn't experience any of that i literally wanted to ask you this question but what do you think covid had which effect <laughs> did it have on soweto <laughs> <Southern laughs> but but yeah man i i guess you you look at your township right we've been speaking to a couple of township investors getting their understanding of what has happened in in the past in the past couple of months mm. or year so what happened is that they did lose some people for instance mm. covid didn't only hit the rich and the middle class mm. it did also impact your middle class and the poor class mm. so people did lose jobs so mm. they however found it easier to replace tenants at the same price so you find out that somebody was renting out their house for 1000 and then maybe let's just say they lost their job who was who was who some this person was living in the township mm. they lost their job so then the, t- the the landlord was able to replace this person very fast at the same price okay and then we we'll, we look at your suburbs with your suburbs what we seen is that i want to give you a practical example of 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 the the four way situation mm. is that rentals were for a single apartment you could get a good rental for about 8000 8000 but now as the pand- with the pandemic what happened is that landlords were quite were like you know what maybe let's just reduce the price from 8000 and now you can actually find it at around about 7.5 for a single mm-hmm. for a single bedroom so now what that did is that if you let's say you you've had your tenant before covid and they've been paying and you've kept them Mm-hmm. so they paying you 8000 which is not a problem mm-hmm. however let's say i lost my tenant so mm-hmm. me placing that property back on the market it's going to be a bit hard of getting the amount comparing myself with you mm-hmm. because now people are like but most of the rentals now are going around 7.5 so is there a possibility that i can negotiate you as my landlord from the 8000 to the 7000 because the 7.5 because there are other similar properties mm. that are renting out at 7.5 sure. 
and now the problem is that if you if you are in a situation whereby your tenant is actually negotiating you and now you can actually see this happening in your market and now this property was cash flowing positive let's say um it was cash flowing positive i know some people do cash flow around 200 bucks mm-hmm. and now this person is saying that they want to actually be uh paying you 500 less mm-hmm. that means that you're actually going to be making a loss of 300 on a month yeah. so now this is something that you need to actually think about that is it really necessary for me to actually still hold this property mm-hmm. or can I sell this property and get another property that can actually give me a mm-hmm. better return? Because now remember, as a property investor, we are basically looking at property as a business. Mm-hmm. So if this property is actually taking money out of my pocket and now I'm not able to actually meet my monthly expenses, because now remember, the bank, the bond on my bank didn't actually decrease. Mm. The rate and taxes didn't actually decrease. My levies didn't actually decrease. Yeah. So now how am I actually still able to actually run this business while holding this property? So now what what I would do is that I would actually sell this property and actually try and get a property that will actually give me a, a better return. Because mm. uh, a lot of investors, you know what they'll do, right? Mm-hmm. They'll look at it from that point of, ah, but it's only 200 that I'm taking out or it's only 300 that I'm taking out from my pocket, right? Mm. However, now let's let's look at this thing practically because we like we just we we don't like getting deep into what is really happening. Mm. If I'm just saying that 300 is not a lot, what if after a year, because uh, a lease agreement usually takes a year, mm. and then I wrote on my lease agreement that it's going to increase by 10%, right? Mm. So that's how I justify this: that I'm losing 3,000, but if I'm using I'm I'm losing 300. However, within a year, I'll be able to increase it by 10%. Mm. So if I'm increasing it by 10%, however, I'm still not making that profit. Yeah. But then, because now I'll be playing the chasing game until... Mm. You know, also, also, just to add on what Neil is saying right now, if you're looking at it from a perspective that you are losing 200, right? Mm-hmm. At first, you're gaining 500. So yeah. you're not only losing the 200, you're also losing the 500 that you're actually gaining at the first. So now you're using the 500 plus the 200, you're actually losing the 700 right? yeah. on a monthly basis. So it's not 200. So now mm. we need to now start looking at property investing from a different perspective. Mm. We don't look at property investing in terms of, yeah, it's a long-term goal and yeah. then I'll start making profit after 20 years. <laughs> I need to look at it from right now yeah. how much am i actually losing right now i mean we don't start a business to say that no it's fine i'll do a loss until 20 years we don't yeah, do that no, yeah. so mm. why do we do that in property investing interesting yeah, very interesting i never knew about like that side you know the cash flow side i think that is something i will look up into um just to educate myself more on it but i think you really unpacked it nicely for us um and the COVID effects on property so if somebody is a startup investor let's say i am masaha and i want to invest in property where would you recommend me to start in my property journey well, well start by educating yourself yeah okay. yeah that's the yeah. best yeah. that's the best place to start yeah. because now the problem will be that you'd be asking for a which area should i invest in mm. and now that's not the question that you should be asking mm. the question mm-hmm. should be that at what price should i be buying this particular property mm-hmm. and it's going to be different from one area to another yeah because definitely. Now, say for instance you have two people right you have two people in centers 
because I know that's the hotspot where mm. that's the ultimate goal that people <laughs> actually have in mind that if I can own a property in Sentin, I'll be sorted. Yeah. So now you have two people that are buying properties in Sentin. One is buying the property at 1.5 million and the other one is buying at 950,000. Mm. Same properties, they are both identical. However, mm. One person is actually having a profit and the other one is actually making a loss. Mm. So now we are both in Santin. One person will say that invest in Santin because it's the best place to be investing in. Mm. The other one will say that I'm making a loss every month. So I'm not really understanding what's actually going on here. Mm. In sense. So now I'm, what, what we're basically saying is that get to understand what actually happens behind the scenes. Let's mm. not look at ah, this person has five properties. Let's go deeper into the numbers that is this person actually running at a cash flow positive? Mm. How long have they had this particular property? Are they looking at appreciation as a measure of, yeah, this is going to be the profit that I would actually be making. Mm. For us at Longwell, what we look at appreciation is, is as a bonus. Mm. So now, whether my property appreciates in value or depreciates in value, I'm still make a, making a profit mm. in that particular point in time. Yeah, And, mm. and, and another one, that I'm so happy that Lego addressed that sentence issue that you you look at both and mm. then they're still the same investors. We need to also why are we saying that you need to invest in yourself? Mm. There's there are specific topics that we that are so underrated in property investing, mm. and we we're literally focusing on topics that are that might not be okay. They are important, but but let me let me just give you a practical example of what okay. I'm saying. Personally, I've never had a discussion. We've been speaking about property. We've been interviewed. However, I hardly have a discussion about the importance of a will in property. Okay. And now, if, if I don't have a will in property and now I have 20 properties, God forbid, maybe we don't like to think about death might come. The only <laughs> time we only think about death is when I'm, I'm buying what's those things called a life cover. That's okay. the only time I'm thinking about that's the only time I'm thinking about that. However, now let's say we've accumulated 20 properties mm-hmm. and I don't have a will. Do you know that that is going to be a total mess? Because mm. now we don't know what's happening with the 20 properties. Mm. I don't know should, should, should my wife own all of them or does she even know how to control them? Does she know how to expand the business? Now I'm working with Lebo, right? So mm. whatever properties that we're going into, we're buying them both. So now you find out that his wife and my wife start fighting now. Mm. because we didn't prepare ourselves or you mm. find out that i have 10 kids and lebu has only one and mm. now we have 20 properties and lebu's like no it's 50 50 here so my <laughs> 10 kids will be like no way. we can't divide <laughs> yeah. we can't divide these 20 properties we want one each and then you see so that's why i'm saying yeah. that we should i support what lebu said in terms of in terms of investing in ourselves and seeing who other game players and what can they can we learn from them mm. so that we let we make less mistakes trust me with the course that we created it's all about the mistakes that we've done mm. so it's funny how we talk about the mistakes that we've done however now it's a lesson for you not to mm. actually get burnt the way we got burnt so it goes back to it's either you're going to pay school fees now or when i die so <laughs> so i'd rather pay school fees now yeah shame yeah Okay, um, you talk about your mistakes. I think that was my next question to ask you about like maybe one biggest mistake or assumption you have made about property before you started. The many of mistakes. The many. 
can I can I say my one and Lebo will say his? Yeah, sure. That's amazing. My one was that listening to the tenant. So we bought the property, and the tenant was like, "No, I've lived here for 20 years, and I really love the place. Please don't chase me away." And our strategy initially was to flip the property. Okay. And then what happened is that I was like, "Oh, yes, you are right." But then you know that's the hard transition about being into business is that you need to be empathetic. Mm. So you need to have the plan. So you already have a plan that you either want to rent or flip, right? Mm. And then you get to the situation the tenant crying for you. But when the tenant was in trouble, do you know what the tenant did? Mm. They lost their job. That mm. tenant didn't even have the audacity to 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 tell me that they lost their job and things are not going well. Mm. He just gave us a call and said that we left the keys with your neighbor. This is the are same person serious? that we sacrificed the strategy for, and sure. now I was left in that. So, what I learned is that you must, especially as a property investor, young property investor, never be bullied. Either in a and bullying is not, hi, Masiro, come here. Yeah. I want this. I want that. But it can be. But Masiro, I've got six kids, and well, what am I going to do? Yeah. So at the end of the day, you just need to find that balance of what is your intention in property investing. Are you building a business or are you it's sad to, to say this but I, i'll just leave it off the record <laughs> for your imagination yes i think we're on the same track <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. and my my biggest my biggest mistake was not actually having a deposit from the tenant right okay. so now when you when you don't take a deposit from a tenant you are just placing your faith your 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 property or your investment into faith for it. I hope that this person in this property won't break anything. I hope this person will actually pay on a monthly uh, basis, mm. and I hope that this person, when they leave, they'll give me two months notice so that I can actually prepare myself. Because mm. now, if you don't have a deposit, when the tenant decides to leave, they won't say that. Ish, I broke uh, the kitchen, the counter tables. Mm. Uh, we need some painting. We need to do the roof. They won't do that. They'll mm. just leave, right? And now, if you don't have that deposit, it then becomes hard for you to actually ask them that. Okay, guys, you are leaving, but now look at my look at the state of my property. Mm. So now, once you have that deposit, it actually makes sense that you can keep the deposit, and then when they do decide to leave, you can actually check the property, and if everything is still okay, you can give them the money back. Mm. However, if everything is still not okay, you can actually fix what they actually broke, and mm. then you are able to actually move on to the next tenant without actually going into your pocket. So I think that for every property investor, be it that you're inheriting a tenant or you're bringing a tenant on board, make sure that that person doesn't actually come into that house without putting in a deposit. Amazing, amazing. I think that also sums up for our advice um, part. You know, what advice would you give? So definitely, you need to have a deposit. Um, and okay. All right, I think we covered everything. All right, and the last question, sorry. Um, the last question is, how can our listeners get a hold of you and your services? I'll drop it down the description box. So, I mean, you can find us on every platform, social media. However, we are most active on YouTube. We've been posting like crazy. Last month, we posted every day. Okay. And then we were also active on, on Instagram, LinkedIn, Okay. Twitter, and Facebook. Twitter and Facebook. So okay. that's normal. Yes. Everywhere, basically, they can get you. 
Yeah. All right, cool. Um, thank you so much for joining us today for this wonderful episode. I have personally learned so much from you guys. You guys shared very great insights on the differences. Um, and above all else, I think it's uh, like to thank you for your willingness to educate us. Um, you know, many people have this information, but they don't want to share. So I'd like to yeah. thank you for that. Yeah. Masako, can I ask before we close, which 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 option would you go for? Which, or, <laughs> okay. Um, I think with what I have learned, there are a lot of risks in townships, right? But I think because the rates are low and the taxes, and basically it's much easier to navigate. And the fact that you never the demand for your property will always be high medium to high that means you never have a vacant property i think i'd go for the township compared to the suburbs um but i do think i'll just start off with the townships then move to the suburbs yeah awesome. yeah i think that's where awesome. i would start i think the risks <laughs> are there like they're quite there are a lot of risks in township um yeah properties um but i think you know if you become a little bit more assertive with your clients maybe you set the mm-hmm. rules from the get-go mm-hmm. you know you just educate them and just not make it general um it would be much easier to maintain and check up and just keep yeah. the property running for longer yeah 100 so myself here's here's the thing right mm-hmm. saying it is super easy Like <laughs> saying it is super easy, okay. but actually implementing it, it's tough. Because now you find a situation whereby you have this lady that's living in the pro in the property. Mm-hmm. They just had a baby right now, mm. and now they're not going to be paying you any anything mm. for that particular month because something happened. They got retrenched, right? Mm. What mm. do you then do? Mm. Mm. Ah, I would most probably. Give them like, like maybe a few months to get their act in order. Maybe like for instance, if they 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 have a baby this month, I tell them okay, September, October, November, everything should be in order. You understand? I think because let's say I have multiple other properties, I'm just losing on that property, not all the other ones. Um, so obviously we we have to be human at the end of the day and understand, but it's also a business. So I think just to be empathetic, I'd give her like two months to get her act in order, and then obviously start to evict her out of my property if she's not. So now, so now this is this is where this is where property investing, the human side and the business side, actually comes through, and it actually checks for how is your. Uh, personality and how do you actually work around that mm. so now the problem becomes that once you give this person or once this person sees that you know this person understands where i am right now mm-hmm. that's when they start taking advantage of you that no after two months they'll be like you know what i'm about to get a, a job right now mm. and i'm going to pay you everything that i owe you and then it's going it's going to become a recurring thing until they mm-hmm. actually get their act right So now this basically means that you have actually been making a loss in that particular property. So now how we actually separate um, okay. ourselves from the business is that we have a team in it. So now when I'm having an estate agent and I'm about to move into a property and I don't really understand the person that's living in that property, mm. right? I tell the estate agent that even when if, even it if gets, you do understand them. Yes, <laughs> when it gets when the property gets registered, the property should be fully vacant. 
So in that way, I don't have to interact with this person and this person uh, doesn't tell me their stories. So mm. I don't really know what's going to be actually happening. I mean, it sounds dark when I say this, but I'm sorry. <laughs> but no, when I'm in that position, I can already tell my estate agent that when I'm when upon registration of the property, please make sure that the property is actually vacant. And then mm-hmm. what I all actually do on a monthly basis is that we get a management team in. So now with my management team, I know that they are reliable to actually take out the people that are living in that property and they're not supposed to be uh, living in that property. So now if my tenant doesn't actually pay anything, my management is going to be calling the person that's living in that property and telling them that, you know what, if you can't actually get out at the end of the month, no, if you can't actually pay at the end of the month, then that becomes a problem. So now when they say that, they already know that we have a deposit that's in there. So Mm. now once the person actually lives in that property and doesn't actually pay anything we can then take from that deposit and use that deposit as their monthly income for that particular uh, month Mm. so now that's why we always say that always have a team in it so that you don't actually have to work with these people directly and now Mm. uh, your tenants can actually be managed by the management company i mean what you're saying it also ties in a lot with it's in, it's an investment. You see, mm-hmm. the day you start saying for it's fine for this month that I won't be taking I won't be taking rent in. Mm-hmm. Do not forget that with property investing, your income is fixed. You are not mm-hmm. going to cover in the future. For instance, let's just say that we were selling cars, so we only sold three this month, but we like sure sure next month we'll sell six. Sure. Now with property investing, I'm getting the same amount of rent every month. Mm-hmm. So once you lose out on one one month one month's income mm. that means that will affect your return on investment on that year so I, I truly believe that when when i'm saying that i'm empathetic is that i'm getting a management company and i'm getting an <laughs> agent to deal with the whole situation because at the end of the day i will never ever go to mcdonald's take a burger eat it and then run not pay it. yeah sure to appreciate the service that i got yeah so, so right. I guess we need to change the, the meaning of uh, empathy. And yeah, empathy. yeah, definitely. All right. Yeah. No, that, that's a different side. Because I, I think also the reason why I went for that approach is because we have properties at home, you know, just like back yeah. rooms and whatever. And you do get people that come with excuses. But because, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's where I got my narrative from. But I think if you see it as a business, it needs to be strict. You follow the rules. That's it. You know, um, mm. from back home, it's just another cash inflow. It's not that deep, you know, uh, so you can sometimes yeah. be lenient. But I think if somebody is intentional about actually building their property portfolio, you need to, mm. yeah, you need to be strict with those things. Lesson learned. 100%. Yeah, I won't make that mistake. (laughs) All right. Um, I think we have reached the end of our interview. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Such amazing content was shared. I hope you guys have learned as much as I have. Thank you for tuning in. And I genuinely do appreciate it. If you'd like to engage with our guest, check out their details in the description box below. Or you can send us a direct message on Instagram and we will ask your questions on your behalf. Please feel free to contact us on Instagram or via email to either recommend somebody we can interview or if you have any other suggestions. Above all else, if you have any comments or reviews, please do what needs to be done. Stay tuned and hot like the tea we're about to serve you. See you next week Wednesday.